Grace, mercy, peace be to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, during this Lent, we will be uh, meditating upon the last words of Jesus. Those last uh, seven sayings of Jesus on the cross, to meditate upon it each week, about how those things that he says from the cross, how those things can give uh, shape and form to our faith, can give us hope in the midst of pain, certainty and distress, a promise of new life, now and forever. We'll reflect upon how these words are not uh, just Jesus' last words, but they are lasting words. They are enduring words, sure and confident. And they are not just spoken to us once from the cross, but they are spoken to you every day. These words for you that he speaks. And tonight, as we begin to reflect upon them, on these lasting words of Jesus, to let that word for the cross to shape you and to mold you around him. Now, I imagine you probably have heard sermons about the last words of Jesus before. There's nothing you know, terribly earth-shaking or novel about that. Of course, we, would, we would expect to, to reflect upon what he says from the cross during the time of Lent. But what I find so amazing about this, words from the cross, is that Jesus would speak to us at all. And not just that he has uh, the breath to speak, not that he would be able to just have the energy to speak after being beaten and tortured and hanging on a cross, that he has anything intelligible to say in the midst of intense pain, but that simply Jesus would speak to me, and that he would speak to you. Not just that, God, that Jesus would speak even on the cross, but that God would ever speak to us at all. So often we experience that soul-crushing silence of God. And we say, where are you? Where is my God? David asked in Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day and have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me, O Lord, and answer me, my God. He knows what it is to experience the silence of God. Now, David, this one that was a man after God's own heart, experienced that silence. How much more do we? You know, Job, this man who was upright and righteous, and him was no, no deceit. He cries out to God, and he says, I cry to you, God, for help. And you don't answer me. Just look at me, he says. In the midst of our suffering, we cry out to God. Listen. Listen to me. When the unthinkable happens, God, say something, say anything. Just break this silence. It's too much. Uh, you know, I come to church, and it seems to me that there are often many happy people in church. You know, a lot of people with smiles on their face and glad to be there. It seems like life is just good for some people. Some people, it seems like life is just always great. It's always working. Uh, they reel in the throes of happiness. During Lent, it's easy for a preacher to say, you know, nail your sins to the cross. 
and leave them there. All your troubles are left on the cross. But I find myself every day just weeping and crying, and questions dissolve into the silence of God. And a holy, lonesome echo is the silence of God. C.S. Lewis once said it this way. He says, it's not the unanswered prayer that bothers me so much as the promise of prayer. It's not so much that God doesn't speak. It's that we have this promise that he would speak. But yet, we have silence. The skeptic would say that the reason why God is silent is that there is no God to speak. Sometimes that seems right. That's how it feels. That's how it feels often for us in this life. But just because that's how it feels does not mean that's how it is. God will speak. We know that. That is the promise that is made to us, that God will speak to us. We hold on to that promise. We know that Jesus spoke to us from the cross. And lots of things to say, these short seven sayings, there's a lot there to be said. And we expect him then on the cross to speak. And when we expect him to speak, the kind of speaking we expect would be that he would call down fire from heaven. That he would seek out vengeance upon those who have put him there. And that he would want divine retribution. That's what we expect from the powerful. Because that's what we see in every powerful person. Every person in power, when they are wronged, I get even. Get even. Justice is not done until I get mine. And you will get my wrath, even if I am slighted by you in the smallest little bit, even if it's unintentional. You're going to get everything from me. And so every thought is a grudge that clamors for revenge. So that's what I expect to hear from Jesus. Because that's what I expect from anyone in power to say. But at the end, Jesus' last words, his last words are words not of vengeance, of hatred. Uh, They're words of compassion. They're words of forgiveness. They are words that grasp the anguish of abandonment and words of mercy and words of salvation about victory and total dependence upon the Father. This is our Savior. This is our King, bloodied and beaten and crucified. You say, well, is this the one? Is this going to be the one that I'm going to come to in my lonely hour of prayer? This one when I hold the hand of my Father who is dying? This Jesus? This one who is even unable to raise his own hand? During times of separation or divorce, in a time of loss, is this the one I'm going to come to for strength? This one who can't hardly take a breath? This one who can't take off a crown of thorns. Is this the one I'm going to come to for guidance and deliverance? Is it this Jesus? This, this is our Jesus. This is our Savior. This is the only one. This is the only one that the world has. 
And it's the only one that the world needs. This one who speaks, he has a powerful word that speaks into the silence. The prophet Isaiah said it would be like this, that it would be a time of silence. He says that the kings would shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told, they saw. And that which they have not heard, they understand. Jesus comes to us. Not in power, but in weakness. Not in glory, but in suffering. Not in majesty, but disgrace and shame. And on, at the crucifixion, what would God have us hear? What will God say to you? For every thoughtless word, and for every broken promise made, for every greedy grasp of our hand, for every murderous murmur or unloving utterance, for all of this, Jesus puts himself tonight before you, and he speaks. He speaks into the silent horror of our sin, and he confronts the evil of this world. And he wins. He wins victory with love. With his last breaths, he breaks the silence. With his dying break, uh, breath, he breaks the silence of death. And he speaks a saving word and gives you eternal life. God returns. He is returning after a long silence. And so to him, all glory and honor is given. As he overcomes all evil in this world, and his reign begins at last. So tonight, let tonight not be a night of anguish for you. You don't have to kind of drum up all kind of emotive feelings and feel sorry for yourself. You know, today really, I'm glad you said that today, you know, really. It could be a happy Ash Wednesday. You know, maybe that should be our new greeting. It's a happy Ash Wednesday. It's happy, not because of how we even feel, but it's joyous. You know, joy can return to us because Jesus speaks. He speaks to you. Bloodied and beaten and crucified, he speaks into silence. The Lord of all. And so we gather tonight. We gather tonight and we worship him. For the old world is gone. A new world has begun. And we have this commission, a calling to speak. We are called to speak the words of Jesus. To follow him, even when it makes no sense. We are called to speak his words. His words of comfort, of life, of forgiveness and hope. A presence of God in all apparent abandonment. We are called called not to be effective at protecting our life or even ridding the world of evil. Our call is to trust in that foolish, self-sacrificial love, a love that calls us to speak, speak through our lives, lives that would speak of beauty, the beauty of a Savior who loves indiscriminately, that revolts against all hatred, all violence. It's that humble mustard seed that transforms the world. And even though right now it might not seem like it is true, even though right now it might seem as though God were silent, let us remember that this is how it looked 
on Good Friday, when the all-powerful God suffered at the hands of evil instead of using all his power to extinguish it. But in the reign of God, Good Friday is not the last word. Never is the last word. Easter is coming. Easter is coming, and there he speaks a lasting word. His word of peace. So his peace be with you. Amen.